Welcome to the Two Marketeers podcast, where marketing swashbucklers, Sean and Lindsay, seek to demystify the fascinating world of modern marketing. Each episode takes listeners on a storytelling adventure that informs, entertains, and inspires marketing enthusiasts of all kinds. And now, here are your hosts, the two marketeers themselves, Sean Patrick and Lindsay Wow! Yeah! Woo! Take the stick! Hello. Hello. Hello, Sean. Good morning. Hi, Lindsay. Good morning to you. A bright, beautiful, I don't know if it's the same weather where you are, 10 kilometers away, but it is a beautiful, (laughs) a beautiful sunny day. My favorite thing is that you always ask me that. You're like, is it where, is it 10 a.m. where you are? I'm like, we are in the same place. I'm just trying to embrace, (laughs) you know, it sounds so much sexier if we're like, you know, worlds apart. Yeah, we're like bi-coastal. Yeah. By coastal of Lake Ontario and Credit River? No, no. By coastal of the Humber River? Humber River. See, I don't even know what rivers <laughs> so there are stinky. there. So stinky. Oh my God. Yeah. Does it, do you get the whiff? No, I don't. But when I think about moving, I'm like, I can't be anywhere in this sort of vicinity because I know what's up. That's a, th- a crazy thing about moving somewhere. You don't know all of those things. Yeah. All those idiosyncrasies of the area. Yeah. We're house shopping. I think it's going to take years. At this point, yeah, I don't know if now's the time. I don't understand. It's not the time. There's everything's so expensive. That's what, yeah, that's we were talking to someone and they're like, you're gonna pay, especially if you want to build because of the pandemic, you're gonna pay 70% more in materials because it's just everything's unavailable. But that's not going to right size for years, probably. Right. So, what's one to do? (laughs) Stay home. You know, what is one to do? Right. Well, oh. other than pandemic wood shortages, how's your morning? What have you been up to? Uh, what I've been up to, I've been up to this fucking podcast and I'm addicted and I feel like I have a full-time job that I love and it's all about <laughs> this fucking podcast. That's, uh, that sounds slightly aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the one who wouldn't let me choose that name for our podcast. That's like, anyways. I love my boo boop boo baby. <laughs> you're like, oh. Do you love your baby? I don't understand. What's that? Baby. (laughs) It's a labor of love. That's what they say. Oh. Yes. Okay. So you're fully feeling the labor of love today. Okay. That's good. Jazzed because we have a great topic to talk about today. But before we do that, just let me check in with you. What's new with you? What's new with me? I am running an elementary school in my basement. (laughs) Can we, Um, are we going to share the official name since I already used the F word or no? The official name of your school? No, I'm okay. trying to still be a good mom over here. Okay. <laughs> I'm running an elementary school in my basement. I've been painting my house because apparently I can't buy another one because these houses are not made for pandemic life. Like you shouldn't, it's not this much wear and tear being in a house for six months straight all day, every day. Not for these paper no houses. Way. Paper houses. <laughs> they just ain't built like they used to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's what I'm doing. But I've just, I've been reading a lot. I'm also really into, you know, launching this podcast. So I'm ready to go. I'm excited. I mean, on a side note, we are going to start renovations on something. Yeah, Lots that's exciting. Several bathrooms in our house, which was something I know we, we need bathrooms too. So I'm letting you do it. And then you tell me who I should use and then I'll do it. Okay. Okay. So I'll recommend you someone and then you'll recommend him back. That's, Yeah. 
I know the that, drill. That's our classic relationship. Okay, perfect. I can't wait to hear back from you. But I actually, yeah, yeah. Send me whoever you want, and I'll send it right on back. It's like a boomerang. I'm a boomerang recommender. I think you're right. Like it's that we had this planned before everything happened. Um, it was supposed to be done by now, but then we put things on hold because we had to make sure that, you know, we, we run our own companies and my, my wife and I, so it's like, okay, uh, being event driven, one aspect of it and what I would call creative marketing driven, um, basically two budgets that definitely went absolutely on hold when everything happened. So we just wanted to be careful. Um, thankfully we made it through thanks to a great Canadian government and, you know, just, I guess, being resourceful and having done this for a long time, we made it through and now we're very excited to just do it. But I'm glad because um, bathrooms, it's what we're doing is, you know, they, they have a whole new value to us now because we're home all That's the where time. you hide and have a glass of wine by yourself? Kind of. Uh, no, no, that's me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's me. No, that's me. I have two little kids under five. I live in the bathroom and cry alone in there. Okay, good. <laughs> Exactly. Well, hang on to the notion of um, tightening budgets. I found an amazing article in one of my favorite resources, The Drum, this morning, which Sean will not let me talk about because we are focusing on our topic of the day. But tune in next time because we will be diving into this notion of budgets. Can we just be clear on the person who thinks our podcasts need to be as short as possible before you blame me? I'm just trying to save you from yourself, Lindsay. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. So let's dive into it then, Sean. What is our topic of the day today? Well, it's something you taught me, um, which never happens. I mean, um, a while back and it was the whole idea. Oh, come on. It was the whole idea of the lipstick. Uh, What's it called? The lipstick. It's the lipstick effect. Right. And then we moved on to like lipstick and beer and all this stuff. And I'm like, do tell. And I was fascinated, yes. and I'll leave it to you to describe it, but it, it, I think it is something that's hitting you personally, too, from taking back yes. from what we talked about last week, where we were talking about, you know, what brands are going to make it through, and we talked about your hair, and I talked about Starbucks, and it really made us kind of take a pause and say, you know, what what sort of phenomenon are we experiencing, and how is it affecting us personally? Yes, that's a great um, intro into this because the big question that we asked on our last podcast was when things start to return back to normal and you realize that when you're in pandemic mode, you've taken 50 things out of your life that you no longer actually need, you've now realized, um, what are going to be the five things that make it back into your daily routine or that you go back to? And from a brand love and marketing perspective, as a brand side, how are you going to be one of the five things that are chosen? So how do you provide such extreme value and connection with your consumers and customers and shoppers um, to be one of those experiences that is chosen to be reintegrated back in? So that got us talking about the lipstick effect, which I learned about years ago and have been, I talk about the lipstick effect all the time. You don't have to (laughs) rub it in. Years ago, I've known this for so long. I have. Okay. I've known it for so long, (laughs) but I have not experienced, I guess I maybe I experienced it a bit in the 2008 um, recession or new, Mm -hmm. yeah. But um, (laughs) this is, so now we're seeing this and I've been talking about the lipstick effect for a while and um, I went back to research it a little bit 
this morning because I know the lipstick effect to be one thing. And I tell Sean, I was telling him yesterday that I recommend the lipstick effect and diving into it to at least one new person a week where I'm like, you have to check this out, this notion called the lipstick effect. But now that I've gone back into it again, I know it to be one thing and it's actually two things. It's two different things. So we're going to talk about what those two different things are. And we're going to talk about how this phenomenon is coming to life now and you can actually see it and then from a brand perspective how you tap into the psychology of things like this that are happening during a pandemic and essentially a recession so the lipstick effect as i know it to be um, is essentially talking about recession proof categories so the lipstick effect in theory um, is when facing an economic crisis or the economy is in a recession, consumers will be more likely to buy less costly luxury goods. For example, instead of buying an expensive fur coat, women instead purchase an expensive lipstick. So the underlying implication is that when consumer confidence in the economy is low, people will buy goods that fulfill luxury indulgences without breaking the bank. So outside of the cosmetics market, consumers will buy expensive beer, for instance, or pick um, even pick an Audi over a Ferrari. So it's not necessarily just cheap things. It's also just um, what people in their own minds see to be a less costly luxury good. So this is the lipstick effect as I know it. So like you, you rolled in my reality, which is when I had to choose the Audi over the far, the Ferrari. That was <laughs> that was rough. But thank you. For what, was it? <clears throat> yeah. Was that? <laughs> I'm still adapting. Oh yeah, that must be hard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so this is the as I said, this is the lipstick effect as I know it to be that people in hard times will choose less costly luxury goods that are still that pick me up that make them feel like. Um, that burst in kind of happiness and a little bit of light in their lives. Um, so we've been talking about that last time in our on our podcast where um, Sean was talking about his return to his daily Starbucks coffee routine. And I was talking about the only thing I've kind of reintegrated back into my life is going to get my hair done. That's the one thing I do, a small kind of luxury luxury and a reward I guess. You know, it's the, the luxury, but it's more based on the reward and the luxury of the reward is almost like, you know, it's the one thing I do, so I'm going to go big on it. Definitely. Okay. And so a lot of the work that I've been doing over COVID and even pre-COVID with brands has been, um, how do you take that notion of these less costly luxury experiences and at times when your customers are needing a bit of that pick-me-up to, to think about that type of mindset. So an example would be the back-to-school season and parents shopping back to school. Um, I used to do a lot of work for a value retailer. And so we would say, you know what, parents are in store. It's September. September is not only the signifier of back to school, but for a lot of families and parents, it's more the new year than actual New Year's Eve is. It's the restart to the entire year. And parents are out in stores and they're getting everything that they need for their children's return to school. And so mom is also likely to say like, you know what, I'm just going to pick up a little something for myself. I'm kicking this year off, right? It's, and that's when it would likely be like a lipstick or a nail polish or something like that where they can also get a little bit of lift and a great start to the new year. So it's thinking about that for brands. How can you tap into that type of psychology? But then... 
When I was diving further into the lipstick effect this morning, it's actually also a completely other thing, which I think <laughs> is kind of worth talking uh -oh. about. Do tell, Lindsay. Because it's one of those things where um, people latch on to a notion and they're like, oh, it's just that it's inexpensive beer, but it's like a personal little pick-me-up. And I'm like, it's not actually, that's not where it came from. It's been kind of turned into this whole other thing. Okay. So, Is it the 2008 thing? Is no, it it's... It's a completely other thing. Be quiet. I almost don't want to believe this to be true, what I'm going to tell you as like a woman of society in modern society. So it's so a cultural I, thing? Is it a cultural thing? It's a like innate human mating thing. So get this. So I'm reading this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm it's like reading, a peacock thing. Okay. It completely is a peacock thing. So I'm reading this article in Psychology Today. And it is called The Lipstick Effect, How Boom or Bust Affects Beauty. Psychologists investigate whether recessions reveal female mating strategy. Oh, no. Huh? So I'm like, oh, interesting. This isn't just about cheap beer for everyone. So what is this actually about? It's all about so, finding a husband, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Honest, okay, so it start. let me tell you here. So okay. it starts, it says, sales figures from one of the world's largest cosmetics company, L'Oreal, revealed that during 2008, a year when the rest of the economy suffered record decline in sales, the cosmetics um, category experienced a growth of 5.3%. So you would think like, hey, that's proof of the lipstick effect, and it probably is across beer and other things as well. So they say now a series of psychological experiments have confirmed for the first time that while tougher economic times decrease the desire for most items, they also reliably increase women's yearning for products that boost their attractiveness. So it's not just necessarily about a pick-me-up. This is about a deep need to boost attractiveness. So it says... Psychologists contend that the lipstick effect is operating largely below conscious awareness of men and women and therefore require precious experiments to reveal them. The results suggest this phenomenon is driven by women's desire to attract mates with resources. <laughs> so this is a completely other side of the lipstick effect that I'm now, I was late to start the podcast because I couldn't stop reading about it. So it also says wars are known for mo moments of the most intense romance and women's reproductive success through history, <laughs> according to evolutionary theory, rests on their ability to secure a partner able to invest resources in themselves and their offspring. An economic recession may signal that financially stable men are becoming scarcer. So women should, according to evolutionary theory, compete more ferociously for richer men <laughs> during financially tougher times. Wow, so this is so controversial. Isn't it? Yeah. I love how you went back to almost, uh, what's the word, anthropological or behavioral from a purely instinctual, whether it applies yes. to or not, it's just part of that, what they call the cognitive brain, like what your right. instinct is. And for every person, uh, it is to mate in some way, shape, or form. I shouldn't say for every person, but wow, that's so crazy. I mean, I, as a modern woman, don't do not want this to be true. <laughs> like, I don't want to think that, oh, I'm getting up in the morning and I'm going to get my hair done as I've chosen to put back in because I don't sub sub want to subscribe to that type of yeah. thinking. But this sounds <clears throat> like it's, an, as you said, an innate 
um, genetic dispos- like we're disposed to this of genetic from evolutionary history. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and to say, I think we're both saying it's an observation that's fascinating. Right. Yeah. So here's where there are some other point of views that come from the 2008 recession that say perhaps a lipstick sales kind of thing isn't true. But um, there are a lot of experiments and research to prove that it is. So this says while lipstick sales did not withstand the recent recession, um, there is some evidence that the affordable luxury effect is still present. So perhaps now it's being called the affordable luxury effect. Um, but manifesting itself in different categories over time. This is where I think it gets pretty cool, is that nail polish, for instance, could be considered the new lipstick, but the lipstick of choice varies with time and geography. And that's where I think for brands and marketing and brand love, that's where the moneymaker is. And if we were joking about this yesterday too, we are, we wear masks now. So who wears lipstick? Like you're not going to the grocery store and putting your lipstick on because you're wearing a mask. I believe you, to quote you, I believe you said, open quote, it's killing me, close quote. I am a huge lipstick fan because I feel like if I just came from the gym and I had to throw my hair back quick and like run into a meeting after I had a quick shower, I throw a lipstick on, I'm good to go. Like, and I wear a lipstick all the time. So it is, yeah, it is kind of killing me. Um, but it's not lipstick specifically, it's different things. And it's diving into the psychology of whether it's a small pick me up and a low cost indulgence during hard times, or whether it's an evolutionary thing that we are trying to become more attractive, whatever it is, it says that it varies with time and geography. This is where people like us as strategists start to become obsessed with this because we're like, what's happening in this moment of time? Where are the people? What geography are they in? Is it Canada? Is it UK? What, what are we talking about? Um, and what could perhaps be that low-cost indulgence, whether it's leaning into attractiveness or a personal pick-me-up that we can use to connect with people from a brand? Yeah. So I'll stop there because that for me is the big question. It's not lipstick. It's what are those things based on this moment and where the people are and what the people are interested in? Wow. <laughs> right? I know. I dive, I dove into this this morning because I was like, oh, just I'm going to pull the best resources so I can share with our listeners, go to this um, resource to explore the lipstick effect. And then I'm like, wow, this is a completely other thing. Um, but this is where you and I get so excited because it's more the um, psychology of people and not just a, hey, try and sell people more lipstick in a recession. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's really important to say, think of it metaphorically, because what what's really for the first time happened, and, and even in the research you cited, it was based on this 2008 thing. And there was something that happened where lipstick was the only thing that went up. But what was really interesting about what's happening now is there's a whole new layer of why it can't be lipstick anymore. So throw something new in the spokes, but it's the idea of the metaphor of it, which is fascinating. The biggest attribution of that quote comes from Estee Lauder. What was really interesting is at that time, the CEO of Estee Lauder did say, you know, perhaps nail polish is the next thing, which is really funny because then I did a little bit of research and nail polish polish is the thing right now. Oh, Um, really? Yeah. I'm living proof of the nail polish effect. <laughs> yeah, so it's the and there's stats behind it and the Financial Times talks about it and it's it's really called why nail polish is the new lipstick. Um so Oh, cool. I did a, I kind of went down my own rabbit hole and it brought me back to a book I remember um 
around that time, I think, the 2008, uh, it might have been like 2011, and it was uh, a book called Groundswell, um, created by Forrester researchers, and was all the rage. Um, What's interesting about it now is everything it says is true, but someone would read it and go, well, yeah, no kidding. But at the time, it was so forward thinking, where the groundswell they were talking about is about how we now consumers using the internet depend much less on buying from and and being influenced from retailers or brands or products, and rely more are starting to rely more on each other. Um, as it relates to what would be the more social aspect. So pre-boom of social media, that was really fascinating to me. And they, they cite something that was really interesting, and it was the sort of three the three forces um, that make up that sort of what, what cause a groundswell. And in, in that time, and it's the people, it's technology, and it's economy, right? Those are the three things that kind of impact consumer behaviors. And when we look today, we'd be like, well, no kidding. But that was like almost 10 years ago. And you'd almost think from a, you and I having retailers and brands and manufacturers as clients or in that sort of ecosystem, it's amazing to us how much some of the major retailers or manufacturers of brand and brands have resisted something that was so obvious eight years ago. What's interesting about right now is when you think of groundswell and you think of the lipstick effect, now it's really real. It's it's sink or swim. Whereas back then it was an observation. This is where it's going. Well, now it's happened. And I think it's very interesting that any brands or manufacturers or companies or businesses that were resistant can no longer be resistant. All 2020 is, is <clears throat> repeat of something that's happened many times in history. But what was interesting is when you talk about the lipstick effect, it's only cited as early as 2008 from a, from a marketing standpoint. And now that it's saying, I said, I think you're right, it's perfect, perfect metaphor. Now it's nail polish, it's the same phenomenon. Um, but what I found really interesting in, in updating, say, what Groundswell was saying is I believe there's a fourth so you talk about the people, and it's arguable, but you talk about the people, you talk about the economy, you talk about the technology, but then you talk about what's the aspect of, uh, I don't even want to, like, is it pandemic? Is it war? It's it's cultural, but it's cultural in those huge things. They're not trends. Uh, there's external factors that happen, and I feel that the only, the most pressing external factor in 2008 was the economy right? It was something that happened based on financial economic things. Today, when you look at 2020, it's not, economy is definitely sort of what we're facing, but it was caused by something completely bigger than that. And when when we've talked about this before, when, when you wake up in the morning and safety is your biggest concern, we are not a generation, and I don't mean to bring you into my generation, but let's pretend we are not a generation who's ever felt external threats beyond economic um, to say, you know, war, all that stuff is really all we do is we look at those things and look at them as external factors and how they affect the economy. But now it's it's about, it's not the economy that's the main focus. It's It's this whole new way of being, which has created a fundamental cultural change and continues to do so. So I love how you brought back the lipstick effect as a cultural thing, because that's the one thing I found was missing from groundswell. And in, in absence of true cultural behavioral changes, we th- the belief was it's technology. It's very um, 
almost superficial is to say, Mm. sure, I'm not saying economy downshifts don't affect things, but there are things that affect economies that are far more important to us as humans. So um, when really truly threatened is to say perhaps part of that phenomenon that you're talking about is to find a mate that's healthy, to find a mate that respects, you know, is is no no longer that daring, crazy, you know, uh, person who puts your safety at risk and those of your future offspring. So I just, maybe I've gone way far, but... No, but I think that's actually, it's super interesting what you just said is the healthy part of it. Because... um, the 2008 recession was largely like economic led. So an economic downturn. Um, and because this situation that we're in now is health, um, health first, which has then led to economic impact. Um, there's also been a huge spike in things like healthy eating and, um, exercising and physical health and things like that. And so, It's like, yes, we can't get out as much as we would have before and gyms have closed down. So we're exercising at home. But I would wonder and actually I'm going to dive into this (laughs) (laughs) on another. Yeah. On another topic, we will talk about it. But I I wonder if it comes from the same um, evolutionary. Well, it's like I'm going to be in shape and I'm going to look for people who are eat well and are in shape because this is a health factor that has initiated this um, pandemic, worldwide pandemic. And so in order for me to find someone who is going to be there for me and me to be an attractive partner to whomever I'm trying to be attracted to, I better be healthy and fit and in shape and eating well because those are now indicators that I'm an attractive mate. I would surmise that perhaps it comes from the same evolutionary. Um, yeah, I think you're you know, right. Same in, same human evolution. Yeah, I thought I was the one who was going to bring in the cultural aspects and the the sort of history, and you did. Um, so, if I may, you may not. Okay. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> of course, great. you may. <laughs> um, I did two things. I kind of said, "Well, what are the brands to me?" after eight or nine months, they have weathered the storm um, that are most important to me. And I have them. Would you like to know? Because it took me a long time. And they're all brands I already was a big fan of, but it definitely, I was definitely able to subtract and remove mm-hmm. and become very focused on, I don't need these other 50 brands, but I, yeah. I appreciate these five brands and continue the relationship. And some of them really didn't even do anything. They just didn't screw it up. They just let, (laughs) like, seriously, you got to look at that, right? I mean, Um, same when you're trying to attract a mate, really. I just didn't screw it up. So this one lasted. (laughs) Yes, Sean, please. Okay, drum roll. Who are the five brands that made the soccer team? So they might be obvious, but it's like Amazon. And I actually was like resistant to say, well, Amazon, but I mean, for so many reasons, and I realized how many ties of my day-to-day life are to Amazon. Amazon, since, you know, what's changed between before and after, where I used Amazon the most, as you know, I'm an avid reader, ferocious reader. So uh, Kindle, you know, I use my Kindle, so I was always buying books, but they just had tons and tons of great offers and discounts. And I believe they, they, whether 
I was conscious or not, but they really engaged with me more based on my reading than they had before. They always did. They did, they were doing a great job. So that was a start. Then there's the obvious of, okay, well, I'm not leaving the house. What do I buy on Amazon? But there was also that issue with it for the beginning. It was very difficult to get certain things, but that was happening everywhere. But where oh, it really, that's what made me like, yeah. But here's the bigger thing. It's Amazon prime. Amazon Prime has changed my life because it is now my music. It is now my number one TV or entertainment choice. It now collect connects with my, I, I now have Alexa where I was Google Home because Alexa connects to my Sonos. And it's just been, I've, I've slowly unconsciously just converted. And I think at the base of it is I say to myself, if it's Amazon, it's going to be good. And I don't know that I ever said that before. I always thought of them wow. as the big company, but um, Interesting. So that's number one. All right. Who's number two? Number two is Lululemon, and I don't know that these are in order. Lululemon, basic. Amazon, and Lululemon. Right. No, but for a guy, not so much. And I always liked Lululemon. But <laughs> now that my lifestyle is going to the gym, I mean, it was already like that. But now I can really, it's even more so. Is I can buy my clothes. I have been buying my clothes online for them. Um, more and more, but I trust, I know the sizes, it's all of their products. I know the sizing fits, um, wonderful customer service. Uh, I have the app, they curate the right stuff for me. Um, and I even had to change because what happened with Lululemon was, um, I always use their, we rent, we made too much. That's kind of their sort of clearance area and you can't return it, but I'm so, I've never been disappointed. So I might mm. spend 50 bucks on a pair of pants that were regular hundred, but I'll take the risk and know I can't return them because they just don't disappoint. So that's crazy to me. Um, but also because of my lifestyle. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, mowing the lawn, then I'm back at work. I go to the gym, I'm back at work. Um, not right. to say I keep those clothes, but sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm going to have a gym. I got to be in the gym and I sweat a lot. I always struggled with finishing my workout and then continuing to sweat, even though I showered and changed for work and went into the office. Well, now what happens to me is I need really good stuff. That's not going to smell that I can have an hour to continue wearing it and look okay. Look acceptable, right? With their pants right. and their shirts. So it's, yeah, it's, it's just okay. the okay. stuff that boiled up. Uh, Starbucks, just, we know about this. We've talked about this. It's my, it's my lipstick. Um, yes. it's my self-indulgent, uh, it's not going to get me a mate. Although I buy, I pick one up for my wife every morning when I, after the gym and I go, uh, it's I mean, my so reward. technically it does get you a mate. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> LCBO, which is an Ontario, our liquor board, uh, just because I've definitely, we've increased our consumption of wine and beer. Uh, so they did nothing, but they just did their best to make sure they're, their in-store experience was fine. And I do know that you could email them and, and do curbside, which I thought was great. But anyways, it, it's still an outing I enjoy. Um, and Adobe. And I had to, that one just kind of came out of nowhere because it's like, well, that's a work thing. But also because of my relationship with Adobe and having been using their software forever, I learned two new pieces of software that are crucial to my day-to-day -day now. And that's XD in designing my own website and uh, taking on that expertise is part of my offering. Um, but also, uh, audition, which is what we use to record and, or sorry, to edit our podcasts. So it's right. just these products that I already, the products might be new in some cases, but the brands remain. And I think that's and the bigger problem is brands have a lot to lose versus, uh, brands starting to gain. Like, I think the, the idea yeah. is retention and building on what's already there. 
And so with the other examples like Amazon, Lululemon, all that stuff, um, I can understand they would probably have come to you a lot. But with the Adobe example and you completely discovering two new things that now have added value in your life that you didn't know about before, did you discover them or somehow did they get in front of you? That's a great question. Yes, I do believe they focused in the right areas. So although I wasn't using it, they were providing solutions for remote workers. Um, I think right. in, I think part of the sort of, if you look at, say, the design and creative industry, they were already there. So they didn't mess it up. They're already cloud-based. They have done all those changes. They did update things like right now, I store all of our recordings on Creative Cloud. So yeah, they added a terabyte and basically shifted all their software, creative especially, to automatically update on your creative cloud. I'm still trying to figure it out, but they've very, but without saying anything, they're just there. So I think mm, it's just, interesting. They, and I do think they, from a, from a sort of, you talk about what did they do? What have they done for the community? Um, I think they did these things out of knowing they were necessary versus patting themselves on the back. That's what right. I think. Um, yeah. but I, you know, they, they really started to push, um, they really started to push how they're connecting people or how they're doing stuff for yeah. free, but not heavily. So it's sort of like, listen, they can look at a consumer like me and say, he's been there for 30 years. He just grows his relationship. Let's just make sure we don't screw it up. That's really how right. I kind of look at that one. Okay. Okay. So really great discussion today. I think we're, we're going to wrap it all up. So um, I love what you talked about, Sean, with the book Groundswell and talking about people, technology, and economy. Um, and then what we were talking about as well with the lipstick effect and, and thinking about how this lipstick of choice, whether it's nail polish, whether it's something else, kind of varies with time and geography. And that's what you need to be analyzing. Yeah. I think it goes to, I think last episode we talked about, you know, you said, Sean, what are your parting thoughts? Um, and it was about slow down you know, stop focusing so much on sales. And so this is almost the continuation to say, okay, then what should I focus on? Right. And to say right now is your greatest opportunity um, to do what you just said. Um, and then of course, measure its longer term success for the big pivot you're going to make or the big, you know, what their behavior has changed. How has it changed? And how will your behavior as a brand change? And it's, it's a lot about stop selling. I think I've talked about it before, but I've, there's definitely brands, some of the first brands to go away from my list of, of loyalty um, are the ones that tried to keep selling me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the cultural aspect was really fascinating. And I think this is that's the root of kind of thinking every brand has to think right back to almost what's human instinct and what's driving these behaviors, not in reacting to the change, but in in uh following our instincts and how that mm -hmm. that in how that creates the change that's yeah, what our strategy evolutionary is history. yeah and especially when you look at like beauty industry is a great example but you can look at you know like you said the the food and beverage industry and now it's going to be really interesting to see the longer term effect and hopefully we'll have some great case studies of, you know, those who said exactly what we said was the right thing to do, Lindsay. Um, you know, you're welcome, Apple, and you're welcome, Starbucks, because it was all our idea. That's what I look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> no? Well, I guess that's a good place to stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Oh, I forgot to hit record.
For real? No. Are you Just joking? Kidding. Yeah. I'm oh joking. my god. Okay, bye. Have a great yeah. day. Bye, fans. Bye, fan. That's it for this episode, my fellow marketeers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe to this podcast at the marketeers.ca. That's the marketeers.ca. Spell it out. Be sure to tune in for more marketing adventures every month from us, the Two Marketeers. But you can just call us Sean and Lindsay. Actually, I, I would prefer Wise Guy. Yeah, I, I know you would. We're not we're not doing that.